0: Welcome to Legend Lore with Luis and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition.
1: I'm Luis, and I'm a senior developer at Paiza working on the Pathfinder Lost Omens line. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 15 years, and I've written for dozens of Pathfinder products. I'm also the co host of No Direction, the DM for Valiant, and I write the Monsters for blog here on the No Direction Network.
0: And I'm Lauren. I've been playing RPGs for around 20 years. I've contributed to multiple Pathfinder blogs and podcasts, and I'm currently a grad student in the field of animal intelligence. And this week, we're talking about The Summoner.
1: Before we get started, we want to say, although we know a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to Pathfinder, we're not providing any kind of official answers for you. We're here to offer advice, and you can use that however you like. Remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling out there. But, don't forget, it's your game. Do what works best for your table.
0: Wasn't there an old PS2 game called The Summoner?
1: Yes, I think it was just called Summoner. I remember seeing lots of ads for it in GamePro. And,
0: and it EGL. had that meme at the end where like all the characters were sitting around the table and like, I, I cast magic missile. You remember yes. that one? Uh-huh. I think that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I don't remember that character doing any summoning.
1: I, I never played the game. I didn't it's... have a PS2, so I didn't have a chance <laughs> I did to play pl- it.
0: I did play it. Uh, my buddy owned it, and I borrowed it a few times. I did play it. I don't remember him doing any summoning. And, you know, when I think about the sum like a summoner or the summoner, like a Pathfinder summoner, right? Mm-hmm. This is a character who, you know, you know, they're a character on their own, but kind of half of their character is just that they summon like a big thing, like a yeah. big like monster or friend that helps them out. Mm-hmm. And like from I guess you have a few spells too to kind of maybe buff yourself or buff your pet or like kind of do some uh, extemporaneous things um but you know from pop culture there's not like a ton of examples uh, of like character or, or protagonist archetypes that do this thing or maybe there's tons of them Are pokemon trainers summoners
1: in in a way I think I was going to specifically note digimon tamers are more like Summoners, at least more like Pathfinder Summoners because um, they have the one Digimon that they work with the whole time and the Digimon evolves and grows more powerful and gains some yeah. abilities as opposed to Pokemon where you swap out Pokemon all the time and you have a team of six and all this and that. So I think Digimon are more akin to the Eidolons that PF2 Summoners have. If you're talking about characters that just summon creatures, I think there's a lot of you know spellcasters throughout um, media that can do that kind of thing
0: yeah but I, I think you're right the big thing that makes the pathfinder summoner its own thing is that it's not about summoning all these different creatures it's about summoning your creature this mm-hmm. is my this is my creature
1: yeah uh i think a lot of the the obvious examples that come to mind come from japan from jrpgs and, and stuff uh specifically if you link to final fantasy 10 there is yuna the character who i is was a gonna summoner. mention
0: yuna yeah
1: <laughs> she summons specifically a big aeon who fights on your behalf uh as opposed to other final fantasy games where they usually just show up do an attack and go away now this one you control and you command and do a lot of stuff so yuna is i think a pathfinder summoner she just happens to have like 12 different Eidolons she can call upon because she's the only summoner in the entire world.
0: And then in 10-2, she became a bard.
1: Yes. or <laughs> um, Or a pop idol or a gunslinger, or any other number of classes. I actually
0: liked 10-2. I thought it was fun.
1: I've heard good things about 10-2 just because it's kind of a big departure from the way JRPGs typically are. Anyway, other JRPGs that come to mind are the Persona games where everyone... I was going to
0: say Persona. That counts, right?
1: (laughs) Summons a a creature uh, to do your bidding and stuff. So there's a number of different examples that seem to work really well in video games because of the nature of being able to control the the creature directly that you summon.
0: Um, I'm trying to think. What They're... about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> Jojo's I'll, Bizarre I'll yes. admit I've never actually watched it, but I, I'm surrounded by people who, who know about it and talk about it all the time. And uh, I think, like, stands might be a summon.
1: Yes, if you know Jojo's Bizarre Adventure uh, from Part 3 on, everyone has a stand, which is an embodiment of your soul that manifests as... Usually, like a humanoid figure, like a ghostly figure that can fight on your behalf, sometimes they do different things, but they each have their own power and each stand is unique to every character. Stands are definitely uh, a summoner, uh, especially with the fact that the summoner is kind of covering a couple of different niches that originally existed in 1E as separate classes. Uh, the Spiritualist was its own class that was kind of like the Summoner, but only summoned Phantoms. Now you can just do that as the core Summoner package. So there, there's a lot of different ways. I'm sure, um, in a way, if you think about Christina Ricci and Casper, that's kind of a Summoner Eidolon relationship. Yes,
0: it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs>
1: Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, things like that that I think exist that are that relationship that is the Eidolon and the Summoner where it's not necessarily a magical connection, but it is that strong bond and they work together to solve their problems.
0: You've got me thinking about Yuna, though, and how you would build Yuna in Pathfinder. I wonder if since she's the only Summoner, what if like instead of picking one Eidolon, she just got all of the Eidolons, but she can mm-hmm. only have one out at a time.
1: I think that's exactly how I would build her. Yeah, that'd be kind of a
0: cool character.
1: But I think I would tweak the way she manifests her Eidolon, where, like, you can't just freely swap between each of the forms on the fly with the three-action manifest Eidolon ability. You maybe have to spend, like, ten minutes outside of combat to be like, all right, I'm going to swap out the the demon and bring in the angel, and then I can have the angel. So as to make her not so broken, even though it doesn't really matter because this is just a theoretical yeah. Situation, but I think that would keep her in balance for the most part.
0: Oh, holy crap! You know what I just realized? I have What's... nothing planned for the Viking test. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought. I haven't thought about this in inter- So, okay, listeners, full disclosure. Okay, I. Ne- it wasn't until yesterday that I sat down and read the Summoner entry from cover uh, from you know cover to cover. So. So I, I was learning a lot about it yesterday and thinking about, hmm, what would my build be like? Oh, this is a good idea. Oh, yeah, I kind of like this build. And I've kind of been, you know, like, finding ways that I really like the Summoner. But I just never thought about it in terms of Vikings. So while you're doing that Batman test, I'm going to be sitting here thinking real hard.
1: Well, before I get into the Batman test, I think I want to talk a little bit about the niche that the Summoner covers in Pathfinder which is that it's the pet class, right? More so than the druid uh, or the ranger. It's the the class that has the strongest pet in the game, at least so far from what I can tell. Um, and that's fun. You know, there's lots of pet classes in video games or people who have like their one animal companion or one buddy in, in media. Um, but that that's what we're looking at. And the reason I, I even bring that up is because again i have to stretch the batman test to its limits um,
0: <laughs> yeah you do
1: and talk about hey batman has occasionally made use of his buddy ace the bat dog <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> ace the bat dog
1: um summoner and batman don't really line up very well like with all spellcasters, you can look at spells as batman's utility belt you know he has those prepared uh or, or knows his specific stuff um but beyond that the only thing i can really think of is maybe looking at the different like exosuits power suits that batman has used here and there he has designed like you know the big tough suit that he uses to like punch someone out if you watch batman v superman he has like that metal suit that he wears to to beat up superman or, or you know red um the dark knight returns it's where that came from you know he does that kind of thing and you could kind of see those in a way as batman manifesting this thing that's has a specific niche a very specific build evolved in a specific way to work for a specific purpose that's such a stretch though <laughs> that's that's barely anything mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. uh batman is like a summoner in that i'm sure he can call someone to help him when he needs every once in a while but he doesn't do magic he doesn't really have an animal buddy he doesn't Uh, throw out a pokeball he doesn't throw out a pokeball there's there's probably some story where some batman or batman friend can do that kind of stuff but batman himself the classical batman that you know is probably not really a summoner which you know batman can't be everything because that's just how things are sometimes
0: normally when i'm trying to do the viking test i like to take like just a viking man or woman with like boots on the ground or maybe boots on a a long ship you know heading Mm -hmm. heading to raid the saxons i like to think about that viking and maybe even in a fantasy setting right if they're going to go raid varicia or something that viking how do they fit whatever that class is or how could they fit you know whatever that class is i don't think that this one is amazingly conducive for that Viking, but I do think that when we expand Viking mythology and folklore a bit, I think we can find some really good examples of a summoner. Uh, in fact, one of deep cut some of you may know that my absolute favorite thing from all of Viking mythology is the Valkyries. Um, my favorite Pathfinder character I've ever made was a Valkyrie-blooded uh, champion, and I think that a Valkyrie would be a pretty good summoner, actually, because <laughs> they go to the battlefields, they collect the souls of, of fallen warriors, and they take them up to Valhalla. But, you know, there's like there are pieces of pop culture here and there that describe a Valkyrie maybe keeping a soul with them to help fight or something. And I think that'd be a really cool mechanic, is if you had, like, a Valkyrie who, who manifested, like, the spirit of a fallen honorable warrior to fo- fight alongside them. That'd be an awesome summoner. And even more than that, what if it was just like... What What if we took it from a, a higher plane of divinity and we looked like the Viking gods or even demigods? I could easily see some Viking magic where they're like, oh, yeah, well, Frost Giant. You know, that sounds like something Loki would portal in real quick. I think that there's ways to do Viking-themed summoners. Yeah, and uh, Odin
1: calls the, on those ravens all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... so I, I think it might be a better fit than the Batman test, but it's definitely not like a one-to-one. These, this is a common fit for Vikings. I d- it's definitely not that situation. All right, so let's talk about specifically in Pathfinder. If we want to build a summoner, how are we going to do it?
1: <clears throat> well, first off, we're going to start off with our key ability score, which happens to be charisma. You are manifesting in a way thing tied to your personality and yourself. Uh, I understand how charisma ties into that. Uh, You get 10 plus your con in terms of hit points, which is pretty beefy, all things considered. The big reason being, as we'll talk about in a sec here, is that your Eidolon and you share the same hit point pool. So you kind of need higher hit points so your Eidolon can, can fight pretty well.
0: You start out trained in perception. Your saving throws are expert in fort and will, which is pretty good, but trained in reflex. Uh, You're trained in one or more skills determined by your choice of Eidolon, so be thinking about that when you're looking at which skills you don't have. And you get a number of additional skills equal to three plus your Intelligence Modifier.
1: And you, the Summoner, are trained in simple weapons and unarmed attacks as well as unarmored defense. You also have spellcasting where you're trained in spell DCs um, and uh, attack rolls which are based on a specific tradition determined by your Eidolon again. So I think when we talk about the Eidolon, we'll get to know a little bit more about all of that. And once you know it, hey, that's the first class feature. The big thing is you have an Eidolon. It's, as noted here, a powerful and unusually otherworldly entity called an Eidolon. And you use your life force to to manifest it into the real world, into the material plane.
0: Do you have any insights onto where the word Eidolon came from?
1: I sure do. I looked it up just a bit ago. It's actually (laughs) uh, Greek in origin. Um, It's from the word Eidos. Uh, So, if you might know Eidos Interactive, who makes Tomb Raider and other video games, hey, I guess that's where they got their name to. The word Eidolon in ancient Greek literature uh, is a spirit image. It's, you know, a a manifestation of a living or dead person. It's kind of like a shade or a phantom. Um, So. Or it can also be uh, an an idealized person or thing. So Eidolon's representing things like angels or demons or or an idealized form of a beast and stuff like that. I can understand how that name came to be. And it also sounds very fantastical. It's a very good word for fantasy.
0: So you're going to have to pick out which kind of Eidolon you want. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but first like Luis mentioned you both share hit points so if somebody swings a longsword at your Eidolon dog you take the damage and vice versa so you you guys have this shared pool of hit points if one of you goes down the other one goes down and begins dying Mm -hmm. Uh, for three actions you can summon your Eidolon right and this lasts for an indefinite period of time, so you don't have to do it like right at the start of battle. But if it was put away, you gotta spend three actions to pull it out. And if you need to put it away, uh, you spend three actions to put the eidolon away.
1: Yeah. Your eidolon has to stay within a hundred feet of you. And if it goes beyond that for whatever reason, or if it, if you are reduced to zero hit points, uh, the eidolon disappears. It it dissolves, and you have to one, stop dying, and and two, then, you know, call it forth again, manifest it again. Um, But the fun thing about your Eidolon is that it isn't like a typical minion, like an animal companion or familiar or anything like that. It doesn't have the minion trait or the summon trait. It has three actions, kind of. You, as your summoner, have three actions, but you can choose to have all three actions go to your seminar. All three actions go to your Eidolon. You can spend one action on yourself then have your Eidolon do the other two actions. You can mix and match those uh, as you like. Uh, you have the three actions that are shared between the three of you. And in addition to that, you have a special uh, activity called act together, which lets you do stuff in tandem with your Eidolon. Uh, you can choose to act together either as one action, two actions or three actions. When you act together, one of you does the one action, two action, three action thing. So it could be, I spend two actions to uh, cast a spell, for example, as part of act together. And then the other entity, the other form, either your Eidolon yourself, whoever's left, gets to do a one action thing. So for example, if you both need to move, you could act together to both stride uh, together. And that saves you a bit of action economy. You don't have to spend two separate actions. You can just act together. Thing is you can only act together once per round. So you gotta be kind of mindful about when you do that.
0: Yeah, realistically, this is basically putting you up to about four actions per round, but but they have to be divided. Like, like you as a player could take three actions and your Eidolon gets one. So it's not really, it's, it's not that bad. It, it's not behind other pet classes. The other action you get is share senses, where you project your senses into the Eidolon so you can see through their eyes. You can feel through their fingers and kind of... Kind of get some information that way
1: <clears throat> there's a, a bit of talk about all these special considerations with your idol on what kind of gear it can wear uh, what happens when one of you is stunned and the other is stunned as well you know stuff like that there's a lot of extra considerations that come into it and ultimately with all that guidance some corner cases might come up talk to the gm and hopefully the GM will won't be too uh, punitive on, on things, but...
0: There's a lot of talk to the GM in here. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of that, uh, just because there's there's a lot to consider here. Uh, but beyond that, you are also a spellcaster. The Eidolon you choose will determine your spellcasting tradition. You have access to all four. You can be Arcane, Divine, uh, Cult, or Primal. Uh, and you have a spontaneous uh, set of spellcasting uh, rather than prepared. And you have what is called... The wave casting, the thing we talked about with the Magus, where you start off with a, a limited band of what spells you can cast and number per day. Ultimately, by the end of your career, you'll be able to cast um, you know, two eighth level spells and two ninth level spells, plus any extra bonus stuff you get from feats and stuff. At, that's it. So you are limited in how much spell casting you can do, partially because a lot of your power resides in the form of your Eidolon.
0: I had to go back and check the Magus. I couldn't remember if these are fewer spells or the same number of spells as the Magus, but it looks like it's the same.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, the spells per day are about the same. I think Magus has more abilities to get extra spells in bonus forms of, of mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, the the fun thing about the Eidolon though, or not the, the Summoner, is that they are um, once they hit third level, once they start getting new new spells, they have unlimited signature spells. So they don't have to pick signature spells like other spontaneous casters. They can just consider all spells signature spells, which is kind of nice. There's a little bit of versatility there.
0: Mm-hmm. And you do get access to Link spells, um, which are your kind of focus point. These are spells that you cast to benefit your Eidolon, or maybe they benefit both of you. Um, and you get some Link cantrips as well. Like one of the, the, the most famous one is uh, Boost Eidolon, I think where you give your Eidolon extra damage, which is pretty nice. And that's one of the things that kind of separates the summoner from, say, other pet classes, is most other pet classes don't have a way to boost their companion. Uh, In addition to that, if you kind of want to lean more on summon spells so you can get another variety out, there are feats you can take which will let you cast your boost idol on and it affects your summoned creatures as well which i think is pretty cool. So a- any kind of character you're thinking about where you're just like i just want to summon a bunch of creatures. You know, you you can do that with the summoner. You don't have to be tied to like this is the one creature you have. I mean you do have a the one big creature, but you can supplement it with other creatures if you like. Yeah.
1: There's also a special set of feats among the class feats that we'll be able to, able to take called evolution feats. These are feats that actually make changes and customize your Eidolon specifically. They will you know, grant them the ability to fly or burrow or grow larger, things like that. When you take these feats, they affect your Eidolon specifically. Uh, so you don't have to focus on your stuff. You can choose to just go all in on your Eidolon, which is pretty
0: fun. Now, each Eidolon does come with its own special set of abilities. It has three of them. And at first level, you get the first one for your Eidolon. At level seven, you get Eidolon Symbiosis, so it gets the next ability in the chain. And at 17th level, you'll take Eidolon Transcendence, so the Eidolon gets its its ultimate ability.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, a few other things to keep in mind while leveling up. At fifth level, you get your ability boosts like normal, but the thing is, so does your Eidolon. Your Eidolon gets four boosts every five levels as well, so that they can become more powerful, you yeah. know boost their strength if they want or more con for more hit points uh things like that um and that's pretty neat that 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 really leans into the customization of the eidolon at um, various levels your eidolon will be progressing in their their saves and their um, proficiency with their attacks and stuff like that which is separate from yours Um, and the other big thing that you get as you level up is at 19th level uh, is your instant manifestation. You, the way you normally manifest an Eidolon is a three-action activity. Once you hit 19th level, you can do that as one action. So you can have your Eidolon come and go as needed pretty quickly.
0: Now, we're getting into the Eidolon's themselves section of this, which is, which is kind of the meat and potatoes of the summoner. Uh, so we have all of these different Eidolon quote-unquote archetypes that, that you can take. Not like real archetypes, like not every even level you take one but like you know these yeah these Eidolon stereotypes I guess you could call them and each one comes with two different versions to give you a little bit of variety and you pick out what their attacks are going to be like you have a list of of primary attacks you pick one of these primary attacks it could be like d8 damage and one of the one of the traits like shove or disarm it could be d6 deadly and finesse and then all Eidolons get the secondary attack, which is anything that does D6 damage and is agile or finesse. So, the book really encourages you to build your Eidolon exactly how you want it to be. If you want a giant crab that attacks with its pincers, go right ahead. The reason I mentioned my giant crab is because that's my favorite one. I think... I have, I've always wanted to have a summoner with a giant crab, but that's not the, that's not what I built today. So I'm I'm mentioning it now.
1: These attacks are very versatile. You can have them be whatever you want flavor wise. So if you want it to be a a pincer, if you want it to be, you know, a bite, wanna be a tail attack, whatever you want it to be, that's fine. And then you just decide the appropriate damage type for that. So with the tail it might be bludgeoning, or you might say, I have a horn and it does piercing damage or claws or does slashing damage. You can mix and match as, as you like when you are making your Eidolon. Every Eidolon theme, I guess we'll call them, every Eidolon type, um, has suggestions on what these attacks might look like, but you are not at all beholden to, to doing that. So it might say like, oh, it might have a fist attack and a tail attack or possibly a horn attack, but you don't have to stick with those three options. You can make them be whatever you want.
0: They're just suggestions. Just so- suggestions. The first Eidolon theme we have is the Angel Eidolon. So, you know, what's what I like about kind of the way this is described is that this isn't just... It's an Eidolon, and it looks like an angel. That's not actually how it's described in here. This is a celestial messenger or a member of the angelic host. It is an angel, but okay. you have a unique link to it to allow it to kind of serve as your... Eidolon, or as this traveling companion of yours. If you pick the Angel Eidolon, you get access to divine spells. Uh, the angel will always be good alignment, <laughs> Sometimes, m- m- probably neutral good. Uh, it can be medium or small. It suggests fists, wings, or, or attacks that look like a weapon, but again, do it however you like. You get two different versions of this Angel Eidolon. You get the Angelic Avenger, which is more high strength and, and and kind of medium everywhere else, or you get the Angelic Emissary, which is higher dex and also higher charisma. By by selecting an angel eidolon, you are trained in diplomacy and religion. Your eidolon itself has dark vision and speaks celestial, and I believe that you learn your eidolon's language as well. Yep. And it starts out with Hollowed Strikes uh, as its special ability where the the Eidolon Strikes deal one extra good damage. At 7th level, it gets Traveler's Aura, so it emits this aura that protects you from severe heat and cold. And your Eidolon is never flat-footed to creatures inside that are lower level. And the last ability it gets at level 17 is Angelic Mercy, where your Eidolon can cast... Remove curse, remove disease, remove fear, and remove paralysis once per day as a ninth level divine spell.
1: Next up is the Anger Phantom, which is one of two phantoms. They're they're both undead spirits that haven't technically moved on because of the connection to you. This one is angry. It has a grudge or something that is kind of fully preventing it from going on, but it uses that as uh, the way it fights. It grants you the occult tradition... It can be medium or small, but there's no alignment restriction. Um, you can fight with fist, a tendril, or of course, uh, weapons or attacks that are shaped like weapons. Ghosts can shape their bodies easy enough. Our strength-based uh, form is the Wrathful Berserker, while our dex-based form is the Enraged Assassin. You also become trained in intimidation and occultism. And it starts with dark vision, a speed of 25 feet, and one language that it spoke its life before death Um, uh, it starts with the furious strike ability which is basically the power attack feat Uh, it attacks and rolls two damage dice if it hits with uh it's a two action attack excuse me rolls two uh, damage dice if it hits and deals a bit of extra damage at seventh level it gains seething frenzy which is basically the barbarian's rage you get a bunch of bonus hp minus two to ac but you deal uh, extra damage and finally it gains the anger aura which creates 20 foot anger aura that reduces creatures around it uh reduces the resistances that creatures around it have but it also reduces its own resistances Uh, it can kind of pull in that aura so it only uh so it doesn't affect everyone around it if it wants but for the most part hey everyone around you will be taking more damage or at least be resisting less of that damage that they take
0: Next Eidolon is the Beast Eidolon. This is what I would use to make my giant crab monster. Uh, you, When you take the Beast Eidolon, you get the primal spell list. Uh, no alignment restrictions. It's going to be a medium creature. It recommends beast-like things. Claws, jaws, fangs, hooves, and horns. Obviously, I'm going to take a big pincer. Your strength-themed Eidolon is going to be the brutal beast. And your dexed based beast eidolon is going to be fleet beast my goodness that was a lot of bees in there by picking this you get intimidation and nature as skills your creature will have low light vision it will speak sylvan and it gains three abilities which will be beast charge for two actions it strides twice and strikes if it moves at least 20 feet it gets a bonus to hit it gets primal roar at 7th level where it lets out a, lo- a, ra- a chitter or like a roar or something and demoralizes all the things that can hear it. At 17th level, it gets whirlwind maul. Well, for two actions, it can hit four enemies within reach. Now, later in your, in your summoner career, you would probably pick one of the evolution feats that makes your Eidolon large or even bigger than that. So four creatures for two enemies is going to end up being a really good deal with all that reach.
1: <laughs> Next, we have the Construct Eidolon, which shouldn't be a robot or some other form of constructed creature. Uh, it has the Arcane Tradition. It starts off as a medium creature. It has one suggested attack, fist, which is punches stuff. If you want strength, you go with the Warrior Construct, or if you want decks, you go with the Scout Construct. It has training in Arcana and Crafting, it has dark vision, it knows one common mortal language, and it comes off with three pretty versatile abilities. Uh, Construct Heart just gives it some resistances to stuff that would feel appropriate to constructs. It gets a bonus to saves against death effects, disease, necromancy, and poison. And uh, also, it uh, resists the effects of Persistent Bleed a lot easier. At 7th level and 17th level, it gets these uh, reconfigurations. It can take a free evolution feat. It has to be 6th level or lower or 16th level or lower once you get the, the ultimate reconfiguration that it can swap out every day uh, if you are willing to put in the work and make the crafting check to succeed to, to rebuild your own on. But basically, you can swap it out as needed as the construct rebuilds itself and, and gets whatever it needs at the time.
0: If you don't wanna have a Construct Eidolon, you could have a Demon Eidolon, which is going to give you divine spells. Uh, Alignment must be Chaotic Evil, although if I was your GM, I would allow you to take Lawful Evil and just call it a Devil Eidolon. I don't see anything wrong with that. It can be medium or small. It suggests er, classes. It suggests claws, jaws, horns, tails, tentacles and wangs i guess i should say wings there shouldn't put that much of a benedict cumberbatch on it (laughs) huh your strength build is a record demon your dex build is also a charisma build it's the tempter demon your skills are intimidation and religion your eidolon will have dark vision and it will speak abyssal it gets demonic strikes similar to the angelic one it gets you know one extra evil damage on all its swings you get Vision of Sin, where you cloud your opponent's mind with, with, with Visions of Sin as two actions. you can just, It can do this every 10 minutes. If the target fails a will save, it's slowed and can't use your actions. So the fact that you can throw out a slowed every 10 minutes is awesome, amazing. And at 17th level, it can get Blasphemous Decree where it can cast either an evil divine decree once per day. And you are uh, unaffected by this decree, even if you aren't evil.
1: The other Phantom Eidolon is the Devotion Phantom, which is all about uh, having a sense of duty, a devotion, to complete an important task or to help someone out. The Phantom grants you the occult tradition. It can be medium or small. It suggests fist tendrils or unarmed attack shaped like a weapon. Your strength phantom will be your stalwart guardian, while your dex phantom is going to be the swift protector. For your skills, you're going to be learning medicine and occultism, and sense-wise, you're going to be gaining dark vision on that phantom. Again, its language is one common mortal language that it spoke before it died back in its original life. Its starting ability. Is dutiful retaliation. This is basically the paladin's reaction. Um, if you get hit by an enemy within fifteen feet of you, and the eidolon is also within fifteen feet of you, the eidolon retaliates and makes a melee strike against that enemy, even if it isn't within reach. It just kind of flashes over for a second and hits it. For seventh level, it gains seventh level. It gains steadfast devotion, which grants it a plus two circumstance bonus to saving throws against mental effects and gives it critical successes on a success rolled and stuff like that. Very good about remaining devoted to you. And finally at 17th level, it grants the devotion aura, a 20 foot aura, which allows the Eidolon to reduce some of the damage that anyone in that aura takes. Uh, It reduces that damage by its con modifier, but you also take half of the damage that it reduces as a result because it is blocking those attacks uh, on your behalf.
0: Next up, we have the Dragon Eidolon, a classic, if ever there was one. And it has just now come to my attention. If you use third party content, you could be a dragon summoning a dragon, <laughs> which would be cool. You could be double dragons. That'd yes. Be nice. This will give you access to arcane spells. You don't have an alignment restriction, uh, but you do get traits dependent on your breath weapon. Uh, it's going to be a medium-sized dragon, suggested as claws, jaws, horns, tails, and wings. Your strength dragon is a marauding dragon. Your dex dragon is a cunning dragon. You will be trained in arcana and intimidation. Your dragon can see in the dark with dark vision, and it obviously speaks draconic. Uh, at first level, your dragon gets a breath weapon for two actions, which is classic. At seventh level, it gets draconic frenzy. So, for two actions, it can make a strike with your primary and two strikes with the secondaries. And if either of these critically hit, then it can instantly recover use of its breath weapon. And at 17th level, you get Worm's Breath, which is a free action once per minute, where it gathers up the power of the mightiest worms to make a breath even more spectacular. If your next action is to use the breath weapon, both the number of damage dice and the area of the breath weapon are doubled. Which is so cool. Yeah, that's
1: potentially what twenty d six, you know, sixty foot cone. That's enormous.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. Very, very, very. And you do it once every minute. Like every fight you get into, let's just have massive breath.
1: Mm -hmm. Another eidolon you can take is the Fey eidolon, which manifests as a Fey creature from the First World. Not too surprising. They grant you. The primal tradition—they uh, can be smaller, medium, suggested fist, wings, or attack shaped like a weapon for their attacks. The dex one is your well. They're both kind of dexy. They—they they, both the skirmisher fay and trickster fay are are both dex focus fey the the skirmisher fey has a bit more strength and the trickster fey has a bit more charisma that one's actually more focused on spell casting and you'll see why in just a second for skills it gains deception and nature it starts off with low light vision and the ability to speak sylvan and as its starting ability it gains the fey gift spells Uh, it gains a magical understudy summon feat which allows it to cast a couple of cantrips uh, for free and just always has that In addition, when you add spells to your repertoire, you can choose from the primal list like normal as well as any enchantment and illusion spells on the arcane list. Fey are tricky, and you get to share a bit of that as well. At 7th level, it gains the Magical Adapt feat, which gives it more spellcasting. And at 17th level, it gains the ability to, once per day, uh, cast Contingency uh, and apply that to any of the primal spells or the fey gift list which is those uh, arcane tricky spells that we mentioned earlier uh, for your contingencies
0: there are a lot of eidolons and thus we will continue with the plant eidolon next where you can have a mushroom or a tree as your eidolon this will give you obviously the primal tradition spell list its size will be medium you can't bring any herbs to this fight (laughs) <laughs> suggested attacks are vines branches and roots um i wonder you know i think what if what if you what if your attack was a beehive you think that would even count on a plant
1: i i thought about that like maybe just a bunch of thorns or something oh, a bunch of thorns or that'd be good piercing
0: your dex build plant is the guardian or blah, 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 blah. your strength build plant is the guardian plant your dex build plant is the creeping plant you gain nature and survival as your trained skills, and your plant has low-light vision because p- plants famously have good eyesight in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows this. Yes. Your eidolon abilities—it gets for uh, at, at first level—it gets tendril strike for one action, where your eidolon just makes it strike. Uh, increased by, it gets a little bit more reach out of that strike. At 7th level, it gets Growing Vines, where all of its strikes have the Reach trait. And at 17th level, it gets Field of Roots, which is a two-action activity that damages all foes within Reach and has a chance to make the enemies take a circumstance penalty to their speed.
1: Uh, Last up in Secrets of Magic, we have the Psychopomp Eidolon, which is a creature that is like a psychopomp just deciding on, on helping guide the dead and destroying undead out there. Um, you start off with the divine tradition, and the psychopomp must be neutral in alignment. Um, they are medium creatures, suggest that they fight with beaks, claws, fists, jaws, and of course attacks shaped like weapons. It can be a soul guardian for strength or a scribe of the dead for dexterity. Its skills are intimidation and religion. It senses our dark vision and it can speak Requiem, which is the language of psychopomps. For its abilities, it starts off with spirit touch, which just gives it the ghost touch property to all its attacks, as well as the fact that it deals one extra negative damage to living creatures and one extra positive damage to undead at all times. At seventh level, it gains a hidden watcher ability, which is once per hour allows it to cast invisibility on itself, on you or on both of you together uh, and either case as long as one of you uh, does a hostile action it will break the invisibility and finally at 17th level it gains spirit taker which allows it to see incorporeal creatures that are hiding inside of objects and walls and stuff it can strike them normally uh, if if it can reach them Uh, and if it hits it tends to draw them closer also it can target any creatures that are possessing another creature if it's aware of them and finally, any undead that are destroyed immediately get sent to the Boneyard unless they have an ability that would normally keep them around, say, a ghost or a lich. Uh, and in that case, then the creature has a chance to make a will save against your spell DC to see if it's actually truly destroyed or not. Uh, but, like I said, that was the last one in Secrets of Magic. There's actually one more Eidolon type that exists in Book of the Dead. Take a guess at which one that is, Lauren.
0: Is it, um, is it the Elemental?
1: No! No! It's the Undead <laughs> Eidolon!
0: I love that so much. Like, there's so much you can do with it. Like, I want mine to be a spooky skeleton!
1: <laughs> yes. So, the Undead Eidolon, yes, can be a spooky skeleton, can be a ghost, it can be a number of different undead. Um, you gain the Divine Tradition with that. It doesn't have an alignment restriction. It is a medium or small creature. You that might attack with claws or fists or jaws. If you're looking for strength, you go with the undead brute. If you're looking for speed, you go with the undead stalker. It gains intimidation and religion for skills. It begins with dark vision and can speak necrol. And its starting ability is negative essence. It has negative healing. Is that right? Was I reading that right? Yes. Um, Yeah, it has negative healing, meaning it heals from negative energy that heals undead and is damaged by positive energy that damages undead which can make it a bit tough to, to keep it healed luckily because you both share a hit point pool as long as you heal yourself that still ends up healing your undead and that's not a problem uh, it doesn't have the typical immunities but does get a plus two bonus on death effects disease poisoning effects and non-damaging effects that target only undead also it resists uh, persistent bleed a lot easier At seventh level it has the ability to drain life uh, for two actions, it makes a strike, and if it hits, the creature makes a fortitude save. On a failure, it takes additional negative damage, could become drain, and your Eidolon might gain some temporary hit points uh, based on the creature's level, which is pretty cool, It's you know, eating up that life essence. And finally, a 17th level, it gains the rejuvenation ability. First time each day when it dies, um, you or when you begin dying, uh, you instantly regain a number of hit points equal to three times your level, and you wake up and can immediately manifest your Eidolon. You are, like an undead, a lot harder to kill.
0: That's awesome. Now, I know we don't normally dip into, (coughs) like, the actual class feats, we save that for our builds, but I do want to call out uh, one class feat that I think folks who remember the Summoner from first edition are going to be happy to see here, even though I don't think either of our builds took this. It's the meld into Eidolon class feat at first level. Where you spend three actions and instead of manifesting your Eidolon over there or next to you, you manifest into them. You wear them like like Iron Man armor. And you can't do tandem actions or actions with the tandem keywords. So, like, you can't do the act together where you do a thing and then your Eidolon gets an extra action or vice versa. Uh, but you don't need to because you basically gain, like, the stats of your Eidolon and, and you guys kind of fight as one creature together. So that's pretty cool. It's just nice to see that that's still in here because I know in first edition that was like an entire archetype for the Summoner and yeah. it was the most abused archetype for the Summoner.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it necessarily scratches the itch of the Synthesis Summoner fully, but it, it is at least a concession. I think the word is that they want to someday release a Synthesis Summoner as its own thing or, you know, a class archetype or another set of feats or something to give you that full uh, fantasy. But at least it's there somewhat with the meld into Eidolon.
0: All right, Luis, tell me what kind of summoner build did you bring to us today?
1: Well, I wanted to focus on making just a really big, tough, strong Eidolon. I didn't really so much care about what my summoner was doing because mostly what they're going to be doing is just casting buffs on the Eidolon and maybe a couple of utility spells here and there. I want a big tough guy So I went with a Construct Eidolon. I like a big strong robot that can beat the crap out of other people That's just always fun to me. I love robots. Construct Eidolon is right up my alley. So I went with a uh, a, a Human so I can get a, an extra first level feat uh, And my first level feat is advanced weaponry, which is an evolution feat for the Eidolon. It grants one of its unarmed attacks, an extra trait. So I took, to start off with, I have my strong 1d8 uh, attack that happens to trip. I don't know if that's a punch or a kick, whatever it is, but it it has the trip trait. And now with advanced weaponry, it also gains the grapple trait. So I can use my Construct as a controller of sorts. Uh, At second level, I take a first level feat. I'm taking the energy heart feat. My Eidolon's heart beats with energy, which lets me change one of its unarmed attacks damage types to a specific energy type i'm specifically going with cold here uh, cold damage pretty cool not too many things are resisting it but the big reason i'm taking this is because uh, uh with taking that my eidolon also gains resistance equal to half my level to cold damage which you know that'll be helpful and then at fourth level i of course take dual energy heart to get a second energy type for fire so now i am have the possibility to deal either fire or cold damage as needed or i can trip and grapple uh, with my other attack, and I am resistant to fire and cold with my Construct, making him a pretty tough uh, Construct. At 6th level, because my Construct uh, is a, uh, g- gains a, a special thing, I, I'm actually getting two six level feats, but with its 7th uh, level ability, you know, I get a 6th level feat that I can swap in once per day. So I'm taking Eidolon's Opportunity um, <clears throat> for with that, which basically gives it an attack of opportunity. That it can use it has the same triggers as most attacks of opportunity it can interrupt stuff on a critical hit but my actual six level feat is going to be a fourth level feat which is tandem movement it's a tandem action that my Eidolon strides and I stride which is separate from my act as one so I can do tandem movement as much as I need and still use act as one whenever I need to because act as one is a once per round thing tandem movement has no such limitation, so I don't have to worry about wasting my act as one with just a movement i have 10 to movement and it's pretty useful Um, at eighth level i'm grabbing hulking size which makes it large it's got reach which is pretty good Uh, alternatively you can grab constricting hold to deal out extra damage while you're grappling someone up to you there and um finally at 10th level i'm taking weighty impact when i with my trip attack, I also gain the knockdown action. So I can guarantee knocking someone down with trip that makes it really, really good. I don't ever have to worry about making a, an athletics check with that. Uh, and you know that really works out for action economy. Other feats you could take would be energy resistance to increase that the, the cold and fire resistance up to my level rather than just half my level. And eventually, you, know, you can have things like grasping limbs and, and make it even larger. You can make it a huge creature and all that stuff. But I just wanted it to be big and punch people in the face be very good at that.
0: I think that works out. I like it a lot. So, I wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. I had a really bad idea back in first edition, and I've never really got the chance to play it. So I decided to remake it here. Uh, I've made. <laughs> i made an anime school girl, who who's, who goes to the magic academy, and. And she's got a heart of gold, but the other kids don't understand her. So she summons a demon to be her friend. And the demon is now her Eidolon and it's really cringy. The it, it's an incubus Eidolon and she's just like, Oh, look at my demon boyfriend and it's, it's really cringy, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I think it's also hilarious. And I made this character a halfling. Uh, a hillock halfling someone who you know the ones who love food and stuff and so she's got halfling luck and stuff just to kind of just to kind of help her as she makes these terrible life choices i think she's going to be good-hearted and obviously her demon is not so it's <laughs> really interesting uh but I, i'm picking glider form as our evolution feat so that you know this this incubus can have wings. I'm taking magical understudy, and I'm gonna uh, at second level, and I'm gonna continue that at eighth level with magical adept, so that this demon can, you know, learn spells and be in, and be the tempter demon that he's meant to be. I'll take bloodletting claws at fourth because I do want him to have, you know, nice persistent bleed on the claws. I think I like that a lot. We'll take Eidolon's opportunity because you can never go wrong with attack of opportunity. And at 10th level, we'll take Merciless Rend. So when this guy uh, hits with two consecutive strikes with the claws, we deal a third attack worth of damage, which I think is pretty cool. And, yeah, I don't know. I think this is kind of a – it kind of makes me excited to play a summoner. I think it's it's kind of a fun to, to think about what you can do with these characters. Mm-hmm.
1: I will say the one thing I'm kind of bummed, but maybe – the future will have more options for this with new feats or maybe a class archetype or something. With a name like Summoner, there isn't that much supporting anything that is summoning other than your eidolon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first edition Summoner got free summon spells every level, which is pretty fun. So if you didn't want to focus on the eidolon and you wanted to just go on all in on just summoning and you know maybe even took a specific archetype for that, you could. Um, there's not so much here. There is there's a There's the 6-level Master Summoner, which yeah. gives you a, a couple of extra slots, and later Legendary summoner does, summoner does that, but I would love to see more Summoner feats to expand on that, or a class archetype that is like, hey, you're giving up this Eidolon, but you're going to get so much summoning. Holy cow. Uh, maybe someone on Pathfinder Infinite will, will take a stab at that. It's... I don't know. But there's a lot of love for the Eidolon, and I think the Eidolon's great. And I'm not particularly upset that like, oh, I can't be a really good summoner rather than Eidolon focus because I actually care more about the Eidolon than I would summons. But I know I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that would want those options.
0: Yeah. You know, back in the 3.5 edition days, I had a character who just did that, who just summoned like tons and tons and tons of monsters. And and that character used like a disarming polearm. So I'd just knock like the weapon out of something's hands and then just let my monsters swarm it and i thought that was Mm -hmm. really fun yeah i I do kind of wish that we had something like that like instead of your eidolon you just get maybe it's easier to cast summon spells maybe they're just a little bit stronger or something
1: maybe um yeah right now it feels like the druid is your go-to class for summoning more than the summoner Mm -hmm. or at least in my experience i don't know uh and I don't even think it's so such a worry about like I have too many summons on the battlefield. It's going to take eight million years to play my turn because of the way minion trait works, right? You you are still severely limited on how much you can control. I just there's there's room for growth. There's still potential here. I think.
0: Yeah. So let's summon up some questions from our listeners. Our first one is from Patron Andrew Mullen. Any tips for people who struggle to role play two characters simultaneously?
1: uh so andrew i think here is referring to the fact that you would have to role play both your eidolon and your summoner uh the eidolon i i think is a a really great role-playing opportunity packaged into a nice class feature right it if you read the the entries for the different eidolon types it'll tell you a potential reason why you're working with your eidolon and stuff like that really great that's awesome but that i can understand would be a lot hard to do when you have to maintain two different personalities and stuff and i have a cop-out Uh, The Eidolon specifically is noted as someone that can communicate with you telepathically at any time It can speak, you know, it it knows common and you know sylvan or whatever other languages it knows But it doesn't have to if you wanted to you could just have an Eidolon that is completely silent For example, my big robot maybe doesn't say anything and I can still communicate with it uh, And maybe occasionally be like oh, yeah Robo buddy says you know He's, he's excited to go fight or whatever right but i could just be only role playing the one character and the idolon could keep it mouth shut the entire time
0: yeah i was gonna say something similar i think it, and i think it actually works with almost all of all of the different ones even the angel archetype but so like, why doesn't your angel speak he only well, it only
1: speaks celestial he
0: only speaks celestial or, or like he only speaks to past judgment <laughs> like he communicates mm-hmm. via discerning looks like there's any, there's any number of ways you can go with it So that you don't actually have to roleplay two characters But you can role playing two characters can be fun You know, if you want to uh,
1: Otherwise I think the big thing to do Is find a distinctive voice Not like an actual voice that you put on But like very distinct mannerisms And personality for both the idol And for the character that are so separate That it's very obvious when you're role playing as one or the other
0: And that makes it kind of interesting too When they're like polar opposites It's just kind of dynamic. You can have little arguments with yourself like a crazy person and then lose all your friends. So our next question is from Patron Dom. (laughs) What eidolons would you love to see return or brand new ones, either in a Pathfinder Infinite product or an official Paizo product?
1: So there was one in first edition, which was the Story Summoner, who was tied to the Harrow deck. You could make a creature that looked like a Storykin, is what it was called, um, that had specific abilities tied to the hero had like luck stuff i would look like uh the creatures and 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 people featured on hero cards and i think it'd be cool to bring that back um and it's very easy to do that now with the way eidolon's themes and or types are their own thing now rather than needing an entire archetype for it which i think would be pretty cool uh and i i think that is probably what i want most back
0: I don't really remember the idlons from first edition all that well. So I just came up with some items that are new, I think. And honestly, on my first one, when I came up with it, I was like, this is such a glaring oversight. I don't know why this isn't in the Secrets of Magic book. What about the elemental type? Why isn't, like, I summon a friendly fire elemental a thing, you know? Like, that's the thing that people summon is elementals, like, more than anything Mm -hmm. else. And the next one I had was, what about like a swarm? Like you summon like a billion little bugs. You know, I thought that'd be a cool Eidolon. And I think that my last new one, which I'd like to see, maybe has a lot of pop culture relevance. What about if you summoned like an an item? Like what if you summoned like a sword? You know, that's kind of what He-Man does, right? Doesn't he summon his power sword and gets all powered up? (laughs) <laughs> what if that, that'd be so cool what if that was your summoner you know you summon like an item or like you summon your magical armor right like then you could do Iron Man builds there's all kinds of stuff you could do if, if like your Eidolon was an item
1: question here from user Kribalian who asks what archetypes or, ed- or other dedications would go best uh, whether optimization or flavor wise uh, with the summoner
0: Huh. Well, I know what wouldn't go well, and that would be one of the companion ones, like the Beast because
1: You ju- don't want to care, take care of, like, three beasts and also your Eidolon.
0: It's just, it just your action economy is too rough. I mean, yeah. what you would do is you would act together so that you do a thing and your Eidolon does a thing, and then you would spend an action to command your beast to do a thing. And you'd just be managing stuff all day. So, but what would go best with the summoner uh, oh i know exactly what would go best with the summoner bard when you get to inspire <laughs> courage and and so like you're inspiring courage for your eidolon and your companions and yourself that'd be great i think uh
1: something like champion would be really good use the reactions to protect your eidolon because technically your eidolon is your ally that's true so you can use it to block damage on your uh, Eidolon, or something like Blessed One, which you use to get land hands or whatever to keep yourself healed, which in turn heals your Eidolon. Uh, any any kind of supporty stuff like that, like the Bard as well, would do pretty good.
0: From listener Brian Lane, if I'm playing a summoner, how do I make the most out of summon spells?
1: Well, I think, as we were talking earlier, there's not the most support for the summon spells as there could be. Um, I think what you do is use it to complement your Eidolon, really, you know. Give your Eidolon a Flanking Buddy or stuff like that. Um, Really is is the big thing that comes to mind. Um, Otherwise, you're just asking for general summoning uh, guidance here and and tips. And I think it's, you know, it really depends on, on the nature of what you need at a given time. Um, there are some summons that are pretty good i'd recommend anything that has something like a trip or a knockdown uh, that's usually pretty helpful or you know sometimes using summons for utility something that can fly on your behalf or something is pretty good but yeah i mean there's not too much more you can do with a summoner that a wizard can't do so look into that as well
0: (laughs) i do think you could make it interesting though because at eighth level you can get boost summons where your boost eidolon cantrip spell which you know gives your eidolon extra damage applies to all of your summoned creatures within 60 feet i think Mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting and ideally how it would look is you would spend you would do a three action act together you'd cast your summon spell with those three actions your eidolon would get one action and then every turn, you would do a one-action act together to maintain your summon spell and get your give. tell your Eidolon to do whatever you're going to do. I think it could work. And, you know, do your boost summons every turn. I, I think it could work. I think that's how you get the most out of it. But I also don't think it's so much better than, like, what a wizard does, that it is just the greatest way to summon. Like, you could still be a perfectly good like conjurer wizard and summon things
1: and finally a question from our own kd network member nate right how do you role play the nature of the summoner eidolon relationship how they feel about one another and the greater feel or aesthetics of the eidolon summoning ritual
0: Hmm. well i don't think necessarily the way to answer this question is to talk about the way you role play it I think it's more about the way you create the relationship between the summoner and the Eidolon. And you just treat them almost as if it's two different PCs. You know, what kind of relationship can two different PCs have together? And then you just make them inexplicably linked to each other, and bam, you can have any anything you want here. They could be best friends, they could hate each other, you know, they can just be colleagues, they can have a deal going. You can have any, any kind of crazy relationship thing going on there i think and i think you could role play that all kinds of different ways
1: yeah and i think one important aspect is to read those entries like i mentioned and find that common reason that you're working together and that i think can really inform the dynamic that you have you know if you are a good Good summoner with your evil demon eidolon. <laughs> what what is the reason that the demon is willing to work with you? You know, what's the cause that you're working toward?
0: He wants to tempt um, he wants to tempt you. Take your soul. And so, the summoner yeah. just wants just wants a hot demon boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: find, find find a dynamic, I think, is really what what Lauren's saying here and I agree wholeheartedly with that. Find an interesting dynamic and, and build on that. Right. Just they're, they're willing to work together in combat, but I think it's more interesting to f- figure out what that means between combats when you are role-playing, when you are having downtime.
0: Well, have we summoned some knowledge for you today about the summoner? Have we manifested any interest? Because it's almost time to dismiss this episode. That's all we have for you today. Make sure to check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network, because if you like this show or any of our other blogs or shows please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nodirection because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible.
1: Until next time, I'm Luis. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, it's been legendary.